G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Well, what a big day. The trade deadline has come and gone. And today's podcast, we're going to be breaking down all the biggest winners, losers, the must-add players, and who you can drop. Let's go. Jordan, open. Chicago with the lead. Bryant, to shot. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. LeBron James with no regard for human life. G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Thank you so much for everyone as well while we're leading off the show here to uh, all the comments, likes, retweets on Twitter today. Obviously, a very busy day in the NBA. The uh, the trade deadline um, finishes at 6 a.m. my time. Uh, I was up as early as 4.20. Uh, 25, I think I got up this morning. Usually get up early for work anyway. So lots of early starts and lots of early tweets and uh, was furiously trying to tweet sneakily while I was at my uh, my day job. And uh, thank you very much for everyone, all the new uh, followers over on Twitter today and everyone who uh, helped spread the word with the likes and retweets over there. So, But if you haven't already, go and follow me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy, and you will get all of this information. You probably will have a lot of this information in a condensed form already. Uh, but today on the podcast, we're going to expand upon my thoughts that I've been sort of sharing and, and had a little bit more time to think about things as well. So there's a few other things that I want to talk about that haven't yet made it to Twitter. So obviously... Trade deadline uh, came and went today. Yesterday was the big, big trade where Kevin Durant was traded. And if you haven't already checked it out, uh, we've got a video already uh, done for that one there based on what we thought the fallout was. Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets was a team that we thought maybe we're still going to be continuing to make some moves. They did make some more moves, but maybe not as many as we thought. So... Um, Check out my thoughts on that video over there if you haven't already, uh, and then come back to this one. So today we're going to be breaking down all of the winners, the losers, all the ads and drops and everything like that. So I've I've broken the, um, the podcast today down into our winners and losers, but then also into must add must add players, speculative ads, players that I'm just watching. For the losers, I'm drop. I'm breaking them up into players that I'm dropping and players that I'm holding on to for now. I'm focusing more on the back end of our rosters in the podcast today. So obviously, some players like I think Devin Booker, for example, is someone who might lose a bit of value. But we're not going to spend too much talking about players like that because chances are you're not going to really be doing much with them unless you're going to be trading them. And we might touch on that a little bit later in a separate podcast. So really focusing on the guys that are in and around waiver wires who are maybe on that borderline, whether you add them or not, or drop them or not. And uh, we'll get into the more uh, guys that have been you know, stuck on your roster for the whole season, uh, maybe later. So let's get stuck into it. A few things to get through, obviously. Let's start with the winners who are the must-add players. And I do have these kind of in a preference ranking here. So uh, if you're watching along on YouTube, there is a bit of a preference ranking here. We'll talk out uh, audio uh, for the, uh, the people who are listening along on the podcast as well. But number one, hands down the biggest winner this uh, trade deadline for fantasy basketball is Mark Williams. So... 
Hopefully, again, if you were following me on Twitter, uh, made a very strong emphasis to make sure if he was on your waiver wire, you go and add this man immediately. So if you're listening to this right now and you haven't added him and he's still on your waiver wire, well, thank you, lucky stars, because uh, this guy is hands down the biggest winner for the trade deadline. Uh, Mason Plumley is gone. Finally, they did it. They did it, guys. I've been, I've been. Oh, I, I can't believe it. I honestly was, I was, I was pretty. I was kind of look. Even though I said that we should be stashing Mark Williams and like, okay, yeah, it makes sense they're going to trade. I still fully expected Charlotte to just go, no, nah, no, nah, we'll hold on to Mason Plumley and, and keep playing him twenty five to thirty minutes every night. I just fully expected that to happen, but they did it. They finally traded old man Plumley. He um, is no longer likely going to be a starting center in the NBA. And so that opens the door up for Mark Williams. The other important thing is that no center came back in the trade. Reggie Jackson, I think, was the guy uh, that came back, and it looks like they're going to waive him anyway, so it's more about the picks. So the good news is there, no center comes back, so you're just freeing up all that playing time for Mark Williams and uh, Nick Richards, who we will talk about later. But Mark Williams is the guy I expect to get the bulk of the minutes. I expect him to get around sort of 26 minutes per night, which is plenty of time for him to put up the big rebounds, blocks, field goal percentage stats that we need him to do. Think about a few years ago when, uh, probably a little while ago now, when Hassan Whiteside was that really big breakout around this time of year. Um, just came in and started blocking shots like crazy in limited time. Uh, not to say that, you know, uh, Mark Williams is going to come in and start blocking 3.7 shots per game, but he will be a big game changer on that key stat for your category leagues. And also, obviously, your rebounds, field goal percentage will give you a little bit of points here and there as well. So he's a huge, huge winner and the clear number one target from your waiver wire. At number two here, I still have Cam Thomas. He uh, played a game today. Um, I'll just check his stat line from memory. It wasn't as good as the last. Obviously, he didn't score 40 points. So his run of consecutive 40-point games comes to an end. Uh, a three, still very impressive. But in today's game, played 33 minutes, 20 points, six rebounds, four assists. However, this is what I guess I kind of feared and we knew was going to happen. Three of 16 from the field. So... 18 or 19% field goal percentage absolutely crushes you there. The good news is he still had 13 free throw attempts and hit every single one of them. So a big, big boost. And that's where he's going to have his value, his points, his threes, and his free throw percentage. He might throw in a few assists here and there as well. So again, if you're punting field goal percentage and you don't really need steals, blocks, rebounds, um, then he is going to be a guy that I still think comes away as a really big winner out of all of this. I've been... Look, I really don't like the way that Cam uh, Thomas plays. I'm... I'm not a fan of his play style in terms of the isolation ball and the amount of dribbles it takes for him to sort of set him up, the difficult shots that he takes, the lack of defense... Yada, yada, yada. I, I digress. But in terms of what he can do for your fantasy team, I think I have to bite the bullet now and admit that I maybe was a bit too pessimistic when he was you know, playing well. Look, the circumstances have obviously changed dramatically. So I'll give myself a little bit of an out there where Kevin Durant is traded and obviously they've got a lot of pieces back and it's still a bit unclear how this is going to work out. I yesterday said that he could have been the biggest winner in the trade deadline. Um, I think... I was expecting more pieces to be moved. Maybe they were. I thought they might move someone like a Royce O'Neal or someone like a Dorian Finney-Smith or a Cam Thomas or something like that. Maybe they... 
flip uh, Mikhail Bridges for a big package, but none of that really happened. Um, so this team is still extremely deep. It reminds me of like the Clippers team before they got a Paul George and a Kawhi Leonard when they, I think they were fighting as an eight seed in the playoffs and they were just this really deep team with no real stars or anything like that, but just a deep, solid team with lots of good uh, wing players. Obviously, um, you know, you've still got Nicholas Claxton there as sort of your defensive anchor. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how this team goes. I still think that obviously between he and Dinwiddie uh, and maybe Mikhail Bridges are going to be your offensive um, threats and the big guys that get a lot of the ball. So Cam Thomas, the concern is the lack of other stats. But again, if you don't need that, he's going to give you decent scoring. Watch the field goal percentage. Uh, that will definitely hurt. So if you're not punting that category, just be aware that it, it might sting a little bit. Uh, but I think he is a, a must-add player. KJ Martin has been a must-add player for a long time now, but I just want to reiterate that he is still a must-add and it will continue to be this way for the rest of the season. So he's been getting good minutes with a... Um, with their point guard out, um, and now that they've traded Eric Gordon, he is the guy that I think will continue to see that role even when you know they're, they're, they're healthy. So he's going to be the starter, I think, for them for the rest of the season. He's not going to blow us away, but he's going to be basically a top 100 guy. Excellent field goal percentage, decent points and rebounds. Um, the defensive stats, assists, threes, they're all a bit... Uh, boring. Um, he's low turnovers if you care about that sort of thing. So not the highest of upside guys, but a solid kind of top 100 player. So I think he's a very safe lock for some decent value. Then we've got Colin Sexton. Um, he, KJ Martin and Cam Thomas are all pretty close to me. So I know he's obviously listed as four here, but those middle three, I think all pretty close depending on what your team needs. I think that you could you could argue one of, or, or three of them uh, equally. So I think I'd probably still prioritize Cam Thomas over Sexton if you're looking for that scoring type thing just because of Cam Thomas's ability to affect the free throw category a little bit more than a Colin Sexton. Um, so I think that's what pushes him ahead of Sexton for me. But Sexton, again, we know he obviously can put up decent points, uh, threes, and a little bit of assists in a uh, big usage role. And it looks like he's going to get that. Um, I'm still not absolutely convinced that he's a top 100 player. Um, I don't know if he's going to get the keys like we all hope he will. Larry Markin is still their number one guy there. So he's going to be a, a, a good point source, but I don't know if he, in a ranking sense or in a category league sense, he's going to be an absolute lock for, you know, must-have value and a guy that you're not going to be streaming through when it comes to fantasy playoffs. He might still be that back-end sort of a guy. So he's at the number four spot for me. But again, I still would probably be adding him if he was there. And then Zach Collins, I think, is also an add. I think he might not have the upside of a Mark Williams. And there is a little bit of question marks with... Obviously, these Spurs, the Spurs team is going to be very bad down the stretch. They're going to be mixing and matching a lot of their lineups, I think. Uh, you're going to get, you know, potentially you're going to get players like Charles Bassey coming in, especially when it comes time to fantasy basketball playoffs. So... Look, he's a guy that if he does get sort of a 28-minute-a-night role, he can be a top 100 guy. He's very efficient, very solid across the board, not going to hurt you anywhere, and a really nice roto player especially. Um, not particularly flashy in any one area. Maybe he'll get you a decent amount of blocks, but again, probably maybe just a tick over one block per game. So he'll be solid without being spectacular, but I think in terms of, you know, he has the potential to be a top 100 player, and that makes you a must-add 
guy in my opinion. So those are my must-add guys. So pause this video, go and check and make sure those guys are, if they're on the waiver wire, go and grab them and then come back, unpause the video and you can tell me uh, who, uh, I'll tell you who you can drop for these guys when we get to the losers. So the next um, portion here, we're going to go through some speculative ads for the winners still again. So my first speculative ad, and and when I say speculative ad, this is like a this is like a high upside or maybe a particular need or something that these guys do. I'm not a hundred percent sold on these players, but their potential is there. And at this time of year, before the All Star break, before your fantasy playoffs start, you can take a swing on these players if you've got something that's a bit boring on the back end of your roster. So this might not suit what you're looking for, and, and half of these, most of these, might flame out and not work. But I think that they are worth at least giving a trial and just grabbing them now in the potential that they blow up later. So just keep that in mind. So first one here, Tari Eason. We all know his permanent production from a fantasy sense. Now, I think he will benefit um, decently at the moment with uh, a couple of their players injured. So um, obviously... He wasn't playing, uh, he wasn't starting before uh, the trade deadline, but I think he will start now only because obviously Eric Gordon is gone. And I think that with the injury to a Kevin Porter Jr., who is still out, that will move uh, Jalen Green obviously down to, um, you know, potentially. Who, who have they actually been starting recently? Um, I, th- I think that basically what I'm saying is that Kenyon Martin Jr. was already starting when. Um, when uh, Kevin Porter Jr. was injured. So now that the green has been traded, uh, sorry, not green, bloody Gordon has been traded, that will now move uh, Tari Eason into a more prominent role. But when Kevin Porter comes back, it will be interesting. I think that you will see Tari Eason go back to the bench. And I think that, look, even like, he probably needs 24 minutes to be a really solid lock-in-your-team kind of a guy. If he gets 26, 28, he'll absolutely smash the top 100. But... Um, and it might be a short-term win of a move to go and grab him. But again, he probably will likely end up being that guy that you will need to to cut bait when it comes time to fantasy basketball playoffs and stream that position. However, say maybe another injury or something comes along within that time and you've already got him on your roster and then he turns into one of those guys that you just hold and hold and hold because things just fall his way. Very, very possible. Um, so I think that he is someone who's the very top of my spe- speculative ads. James Wiseman is the next one. Now, for those who have been listening for a little while, you know I'm not a big James Wiseman fan. I think he is he's a low IQ, uh, not very dynamic or um, mo- he's pretty mobile, but he's not very agile, I guess is probably the better word. Um, big man, news has already come out that apparently he's going to be starting for Detroit. And, and first of all, of course, Detroit go and trade for James Wiseman. They went and traded for Marvin Bagley. They've got to get the uh, the latest version in the number two pick bust big man in uh, James Wiseman. Of course, you got to have him on the same team. You don't have a Jalen Duran who's actually a really solid player that could actually be something good, and you need to give him minutes and experience. No, no, don't worry about him. Let's let's go and get James Wiseman. Um, anyway, side rant aside, James Wiseman, look. When he goes out there and he plays, he can put up decent stats. He can put up decent points, rebounds, uh, field goal percentage, and blocks. And that's all well and good. So if he's going to be starting and they're dumb enough to do that, whether they play him over Jalen Duran or next to Jalen Duran, I don't know what the hell they're planning on doing. But 
he can put up stats in the if he's given minutes, and if they're going to give him minutes, we can only benefit from that for fantasy basketball uh, managers. But I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to last. I'm skeptical. I'm pessimistic. But uh, again, I, I could be proven wrong, like I was proven wrong recently with the Cam Thomas news and and how he's played. Maybe James Wiseman might prove me wrong, and you know he's at the number two in my speculative ads just to see how it all goes down. Again, if you need those big man stats, you could do worse than going picking up James Wiseman. Next guy here, which I do like a bit more as an NBA player, uh, Malachi Brennan is a guy that I was pretty high on in the draft. He He's playing well recently, a little bit inconsistent, obviously. Those shooting guard rookies, always hard to rely on. Uh, but with the trade of Josh Richardson moving out of town... Um, and I think, and, and Yucca Pirtle obviously going as well. There's going to be a lot of young players playing for the Spurs to end this season. And uh, I think Brenham is one of the guys who's going to be leading that charge. And I think that, especially if you're punting field goal percentage and you can stomach some inconsistent nights, he could potentially be a decent ad. He's not the most fantasy friendly of games. Like, he's not a huge steals or assists guy. He's kind of, you know, a little bit of assists, a little bit of steals, you know, points, threes. Free throw percentage is okay. It's all just decent, but again, these rookies they can they can sometimes develop in ways that are unexpected. So I think that he's got all the opportunity ahead of him right now, and um, that's sometimes all you can ask for to finish the season. Um, the next guy here, I'm calling him a winner, but it's it's a it's a weird one. So Bones Highland, he was a guy. He was my number one stash um, that I did the other day. I was hoping and expecting for a bad team to trade for him. He's obviously a second-year guy. I see a lot of potential in his ability. I actually like him as a player. Um, He is kind of that type that, like, sort of like a Cam Thomas, although I think he's maybe got a little bit better of a basketball IQ than than a Thomas that can play a little bit more of a, um, you know, within a team system than, than Thomas can. But... He needs he needs that usage. He needs that um, you know uh, the minutes that he wasn't getting in Denver. Even in Denver, though, if in the low twenties, he'd have patches right where he would come in and, and put up decent stats and he was usable. But I thought that he would go to or, or a bad team, you know, a Houston, a Detroit, or um, you know, a Orlando. Orlando would have been perfect. Um, you know, one of these teams to go in and trade for him, and he only went for two second round picks. So I'm very surprised that the Clippers went and got him. So I tweeted out initially that the Clippers probably was the worst position for him to go to, the worst team for him to end up because they're just so deep. But then they went out and traded both their point guards in um, Reggie Jackson and John Wall. Now, they have been running Terrence Mann at point guard a lot recently, but obviously Bones Highland is probably more your traditional guard player than a Terrence Mann. However... It's hard to sort of decide and read how they're going to run him in here. He's obviously younger, and the Clippers are just like Denver, and they're trying to win a championship. They're finally getting a lot of their guys healthy with Kawhi and PG back. So I feel like it's going to be much the same of a situation for Bones Highland, but at least now he's not behind a um, a Jamal Murray. So I think in terms of a general situation, he's a winner from that point of view. However, I don't know if it's going to translate into a 12-team league kind of a guy. If he does get minutes in the mid-20s, he can be decent. I think he put up some good points, threes, assists, steals, uh, free throw percentage. They can all be there. Watch the field goal percentage, obviously. 
Um, but I'm just skeptical that it's going to happen. But again, if it does, it could be really good. So he's on this list here. But again, yeah, the, the, the stash didn't really work out. I, I thought it might have been better. I am surprised to see a player, a team like Clippers and not one of these worst teams, you know, a Spurs or Lando or, or Detroit or someone like that, uh, take a swing and get him on their team. But you win some and you lose some. The, the, the Williams stash worked amazing. Bones Highland stash, not so much. So uh, let's move on to the next guy, Matisse Thibel. I think he's an ad. I think obviously going from where he wasn't playing much minutes, I think like 13 minutes or so in Philadelphia, I think he'll get much more than that in in uh, Portland. He's a guy that can put up defensive stats in limited minutes, even if he's just around that 22, 24 minute a night roll. That is enough for him to be a specialist kind of a player. And again, I'm going to highlight the words specialist, steals and blocks. Um, and he's not going to hurt your, your turnovers. That's it. He's not going to give you points. He will never give you points. He will never give you decent assists. He won't shoot threes. That's just not going to happen. That's not his game, but there is a place sometimes for those players who are elite in certain categories, and especially a category like steals and like blocks when they're low-volume um, stats. If he has a game where he hits, when he has three steals and three blocks in the one game, that could be huge for your team. So if you need those, Matisse Stiebel is probably one of the better ones out there. These last three uh, ads, are, I think, are very speculative to me. So Cam Reddish is a guy that obviously moved over to um, Portland as well in that Josh Hart trade. Talked about him a little bit before. Look, you can go and add him in the hopes that he gets like a 28 to 30 minute a night roll. I doubt that that's going to happen personally. I just don't think he's moved from a couple of teams already in the last year or two. And I just don't think he's really that good. There's a lot of hype about him because he was, you know, he was an exciting player in high school and, you know, he, he came in as a, a higher regarded recruit into college and he's just been a disappointment ever really since. So I don't really see him coming in and changing life in Portland, but if he does, then you could you could say that you know that's a win. But and he's definitely improved his situation from uh, you know a place like New York over to here because he wasn't playing. But I'm I'm pessimistic again about his role over there. And the next couple guys, Jared Vanderbilt. Now the Lakers. Well, first of all, as a Celtics fan, I'm programmed to dislike the Lakers. <laughs> but I have to admit that they have done a really good job this trade deadline, and I don't know how they managed to get three starting level players um, that actually fit really nicely around LeBron and Anthony Davis on their team, only giving up a a top four protected pick. You know, Um, the news is if that pick is not not conveyed, if it ends up being a top four pick and it's not conveyed, it turns instantly into two second round picks. That's, That's pretty good negotiating in my opinion. So, um, that sucks for me as a Celtics fan and, and my hatred for the Lakers, but uh, I think that, obviously, if you're a Lakers fan, you're pretty wrapped with that, and it's a pretty good outcome. So congrats to you guys. But Jared Vanderbilt, he was like around that low 20s, high teens and minutes in Utah. I think he's kind of going to be doing a similar kind of thing in, in, in LA. I mean, I would have to think that their starting lineup will look something like D'Angelo Russell, Beasley... LeBron, Ruri, Hachimura, that is, uh, and um, Anthony Davis. You could put in Vanderbilt instead of Ruri Hachimura there. I just, I think that the spacing is going to be pretty hard when you've got like an Anthony Davis who's not really a great shooter in space anyway. Uh, Not to say that Ruri Hachimura is an excellent shooter, 
Uh, but Vanderbilt's probably a worse shooter. I, I don't really know what's going to happen there, but I think that there's enough question marks with he and, and Mobamba, who we're going to talk about next as well. There's still a few different pieces around there, and again, I don't see him getting the 28 to 30 minutes a night that he needs to be an absolute lock as a must-add player, but... You know, anyone goes down. You know, if we if we see a Rui Hachimura injury or or you know Anthony Davis, who's obviously renowned for for missing time, then Vanderbilt definitely comes right up into calculations. Uh, and I think he I think he's an excellent grab for this team. So uh, again, good on you, Laker fans. Uh, and then the last guy here, Nick Richards. Again, obviously similar to the Mark Williams thing, he goes from not playing every night to the backup center. You know, in maybe 20, if it's a 24-24 split, he could be a back-end sort of a guy with decent value. I, I expect it more to be like a 26-22 or, or a 28-20 kind of a split. I think that's more realistic. Um, but in case I'm wrong, in case they want to put Richards in over a Mark Williams, he could be a decent add and just sort of wait and see. And, and he might be able to quickly move on from there. So just wanted to throw his name out there. Last little thing on the winners here, guys, who situations definitely improved, but I'm probably not adding them yet, especially in like a 12-team category league. So run through these guys a little bit quicker. Mo Bamba, I've seen a lot of people getting excited about Mo Bamba. I just can't see him getting enough minutes to, to be worthwhile. I think at best he's kind of coming out and putting up 14 to 15 minutes a night as a backup center for for Anthony Davis. Um, I, I actually don't know if he's going to be playing every night. Uh, I just think he's the reason the Orlando Magic gave up on him and, and sent him across is just he's not he's not really an NBA caliber player. He's he's just not agile and quick enough to sort of keep up with the pacing in the NBA today, especially. So I'm a bit down on Mo Bumba. I know a lot of other guys are keen on him. He he can put up decent stats in low twenties minutes, um, but I just don't see that happening for a Mo Bumba. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll own up to it. But I'm not rushing to add a Mo Bumba. I would have any of those other guys, those other thirteen players ahead of him. Jay Crowder obviously hasn't played for a long, long time now. hasn't played all season, so don't think he's going to be walking in into a thirty minute a night role off the bat. And even if he does, he's not the uh, most exciting player. So I think you can leave him on the waiver wire, even if he does. Does start. Dario Saric is an interesting one. He was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, we know that their front court kind of sucks. So um, does he walk in there and become a starter and play 28, 30 minutes a night? Maybe. Um, I, I don't know if I'm predicting it. I think it will continue to be a bit of that like merry-go-round kind of guys, just different matchups, different games, get different minutes. So that's for why he's on this list. But probably of all these guys, he's maybe the most interesting to me. Uh, and then Malik Beasley, even if he does start, he's a points and threes guy. And on a team with LeBron, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Davis... Um, Rui Hachimura, who, who lights the ball in his hands as well. Like, I just don't think he's going to do enough of the other stuff to help you. He could be a decent threes streamer um, uh, at best, I would say, with a, with a few points here and there. So if that's what you need, fine. Um, but again, he's probably not a priority add, in my opinion, with not much upside. Let's move over to the losers. So the players that I think are in a worse situation and starting with the guys that I think you can you can safely go ahead and drop. So if those ads or speculative ads are there available and you have some of these guys on your roster, I think you can go ahead and drop these guys and make that switch uh, because we've got to be quick with these guys. Obviously, a lot happens around the trade deadline. You don't want to be left uh, with your pants around your knees. So uh, let's go and grab, uh, sorry, dropping Thomas Bryant. Pretty obvious one. He's been a drop already. Um, but this absolutely confirms it um, being traded. Where did he get traded to? 
Oh, I'm still trying to remember. Was it Denver? Yeah. So he's been traded to Denver, playing behind Nikola Jokic. No value there. Okay, you can go ahead and drop him. Rui Hachimura. Um, I've said he's a, not the best fantasy player in the world as it is. When you get a player like Vanderbilt coming in, kind of playing the same position, they're going to split minutes, I think. Uh, Vanderbilt's a better fantasy player. Uh, Rui Hachimura. Maybe in a points league, you just wait and see. But in a category league, you can go ahead and move on. Josh Richardson, see you later, mate. You're over in New Orleans. You're behind a bunch of those other wings, and um, he was just kind of almost a drop anyway. Pretty boring, getting by just because the Spurs were were a bit sucky, and he was getting a big role. No longer the case in New Orleans. Precious Achua didn't uh, get an OG and an OB trade. Plus, you've got Jakob Pertl coming over. Yep, you're now on the bench, and there's no reason for us to have Precious on our team. He's uh, probably not the best fantasy player as it is, and now he's in a bench role uh, behind a good center. I just, yep, you can go ahead and drop him pretty safely. Mason Plumley, go ahead and drop him. Uh, finally, I don't know if we'll ever grab him. I mean, uh, I shouldn't say that. There might be injuries and stuff like that, but I think he's going to be the backup to Ivica Zubac. We'll talk about him in a second, uh, but I think, he again, he was putting up Decent back-end stats in sort of a 28, 27-minute-a-night role. I think he'll be lucky to get 20 minutes in this type of team, maybe that low 20s at best-case scenario. And I just don't think there's enough value there in a stacked Clippers team as opposed to a Charlotte team that actually needed him to do stuff to uh, be competitive in games. So Mason Plumlee, you can go ahead and drop. Sadiq Bey, I think, is a big loser, and you can drop him now as well. He's heading over to Atlanta, uh, went to the Warriors and then to Atlanta. Um, So again, a few other guys that do a similar role. You move from a bad team to Detroit where you had the license, the green light to shoot, you know, do whatever you want. And when you, again, you're not a good steals guy, you're not a good rebounder or an assist guy, the ball's not going to be in your hands as much. You're going to have a lower usage. You're going to have a lower minutes. It's all bad. Okay, so you can go ahead and drop Sadiq Bay pretty comfortably. I think Dorian Finney-Smith is a drop. I don't think he was the very most exciting player anyway. I think that he's going to be the guy that comes off the bench. At the moment for the Nets, I'm predicting their starting lineup when everyone's in to be Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Thomas, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Nicholas Claxton. I think that's going to be their starting five. Um, It looks like Ben Simmons is moving to the bench. And again, we'll talk about him um, soon. So I think that uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, who's the next guy on my list here, they're both going to be drops. I think they both get a hit. They were back-end guys anyway. I don't think you're losing out on much upside even if they do stay in the starting lineup. I think regardless if they start or not, it's a hit to their value. So if there's another guy you want to add, clearly I think I think you can go ahead and drop these guys. And then Jalen McDaniels is a drop as well, moving over to the Philadelphia 76ers. Decrease in role, decrease in minutes on a good team now. Um, I like him. I think he's a decent player. I have him in uh, one of my dynasty leagues, so a little disappointing to see him move to a team like this. I was hoping he might be able to stick it out uh, on Charlotte and he'd be a piece for them in the future, but they just threw him away. Didn't didn't want Jalen McDaniels anymore, which I thought was an interesting trade for them. But I think, yeah, he is probably someone you can go ahead and drop. Last uh, couple of losers here, guys, that I'm going to um, go ahead. Oh, I, I could play this sound drop. La, 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 la. Different meaning as you normally for our awards, but these guys I think are losers in terms they lose value. Um, they are not losers as people. Um, just so I c- clear that up again, don't 
get angry at me on Twitter like some people are. Uh, but I think these guys lose fantasy value. I think Josh Hart is a loser. I've seen some people um, disagree with me on this one, and that's fair enough. But I, the way I see it is I think that him coming over to New York... Um, and I could probably add in, you know, your Emmanuel Quickly and um, and a Quinton Grimes in this list as well. Let's do that now. Um, you won't see this; it'll be already, already on your screen. But yeah, I think all three of those guys are kind of taking minutes off each other. Um, it's going to be like a rotation. Someone, I think, on Twitter told me that they thought that you know it might push Randall to the center, and then you would put Hart in there as like a small ball four. I think that's a pretty disastrous defensive lineup, and I don't think Tibbs is going to love that. He, he does love his big traditional centers. Um, again, he doesn't like these centers so much, uh, especially with Mitchell Robinson missing time, but I still think that that would be too big of a, a hold defensively for Tibbs to stomach. So the way I see it is that Hart, Quickly, Grimes all kind of hurt each other. They're all going to get minutes and, and they might have some bigger nights from time to time, but I think consistently it's going to be tough to to hold these guys. Um, hold Josh Hart for now and confirm those things, but I think he might trend towards a drop pretty quickly. And the same thing for Quickly and Grimes. In fact, those two you could probably go ahead. You, you probably could drop them. They could be in the previous list as well. But that whole situation, I guess I'm just, I'm just looking at and seeing how it plays out. The next guy here... Is a bit of a, a bit of a sad one here. Ivisa Zubac, I think, obviously, you bring in over Mason Plumley. You're not getting rid of, of another center or another big guy in front of him. So I think that Zubac will, will obviously, he had like the, the full center minutes to himself. And then when that went small, um, sometimes they, you know, put, put another a, a big man behind him. But he, he had the very much the bulk of the center minutes. So. Uh, now that Plumley is there, um, is not as good as he is, and I've said he will come in and he's better than sort of uh, what they had behind him. So I think Zubanch will be a loser. I don't know if he'll be a drop at any point. Uh, again, maybe he still manages his 26 minutes per night, and that's enough to get by. But we do know that in the past, he's been a guy that plays sort of 22 to 24 minutes, and I don't know if that's going to be enough. It might be better to stream that position in that case, but... We wait and we just sort of see how it goes. But I am on the look at uh, Zubach and his minutes and how Plumley coming over will affect him. And of course, I've got Russell Westbrook here. Hey, I've got him on the hold for now section. I think he's obviously a loser. I tweeted out that he's, um, you know, I'm doing the, the graph up, graph down on Twitter. And Russell Westbrook, I put the, you know, the graveyard tombstone on there. I uh, thought it was a bit funny, but, you know, some people were a bit upset. But anyway, it's... Um, Look, apparently uh, Chicago might be signing him. He's more than likely going to be bought out um, after the trade that sent him. Where where did he go again, actually? Um, remind me. Where did... Oh, to Utah. Yeah, he went to Utah. Utah's going to tr- uh, buy him out. Apparently Chicago might sign him. Look, if they do and he comes in and he starts... Sure, he could he could continue to do Russell Westbrook things, and that's why he's on this list. I just continually see the writing of the wall, and it's probably happening maybe a little slower than I initially thought, and maybe I have jumped the gun a little bit here, but Russell Westbrook's career is coming to an end, in my opinion. Uh, look, maybe not now, maybe not this season, but it is coming to an end slowly but surely. Um, and when you are already a guy that 
So first of all, if you're not punting free throws, field goals, or turnovers, go ahead and cut Russell Westbrook. Just go ahead. You don't need him. You don't have to wait around. He's going to give you zeros while this whole buyout thing happens, and it's it's just not going to be worth it in the end. If you're punting um, turnovers and free throws, or if you're punting turnovers and field goal percentage, or all three, or you're in a points league, this applies to you. So... He's a weight, and you hope that he gets that role in, in a, a Chicago Bulls team, gets that started. It's, there's a lot of ifs there happening, and even when he does go over to Chicago, look, are they going to put up with that? Like, I don't know what the hell the Bulls are doing. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone knows what the Bulls are doing. They didn't make any moves today, which I think is a mistake, but... Yeah, I don't know. It, there's a lot of lot of up in the air with, with Russell Westbrook, and there is a genuine chance that no one really gives him the opportunity, and he's sitting at home like Isaiah Thomas um, and sort of you know asking to get signed by a team for a few years. But look, I, I think if I had to put money on it, he, he will be signed by someone. And you know the news that Chicago Bulls will sign him obviously you know lends me to think that. But yeah, we're getting close to the end for Russell Westbrook, in my opinion. Ben Simmons is a sad one for me. I look not not that I'm a fan of Ben Simmons as a player or anything like that. I just sort of I like his stat set. I've said before it's one of the most unique stat sets in the NBA. That field goal percentage, rebounds, blocks, steals um, as a point guard eligible player is quite unique. However, his move to the bench now and the depth of this team, and not only the depth of this team, but the addition of a lot of decent defenders on this team is really hurtful, I think, for Ben Simmons. That was like his best attribute on this team because when you're in a team when you've got Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, um, Kevin Durant to a lesser extent, although he can be a good defender, but he's not kind of there for his defense. Um, TJ Warren, like all these guys, Cam Thomas, all these guys are offensive players that are pretty bad on defense. You've got a player like Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton. They are holding your defense up. But now when you add players like Mikael Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, you've got these guys coming in, then the upside of his defense is no longer as required. And now his downside of his lack of offense is, is more highlighted. So... Look, this is where I will probably say that I'm now officially really concerned about Ben Simmons and his fit on this team. I'm not dropping him just yet, but it could get close to that quickly. Again, look, if you haven't been punting points or free throw percentage or threes or a mix of any of those sort of things, you probably don't have Ben Simmons or you've dropped him already. But even in that kind of a situation, if you are punting free throws and threes or or points and threes or whatever the case may be, I'm worried about his minutes and the depth of his team, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, I think that is not the best news for Ben. The fact that they didn't make more moves or he wasn't moved uh, moving forward. So, and then the other guy on his team, Cam Johnson, a little bit more optimistic with him. Like I said, I think he is in their starting lineup plans. But again, just the uh, availability of forwards on this team between him, Mikhail, Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons can play a bit of forward as well. Um, all of these guys, I think that... And then you've got Joe Harris, Seth Curry, like all of these players. It is tough for me to confidently say that he is going to be playing 28 minutes a night, 30 minutes a night. Um, even then, he was kind of like that back-end-ish kind of player anyway. 
So I don't think you drop him. I think it could be okay for him. But I, I am a little bit concerned. Again, this, this Nets team is hard to figure out. The rotation is hard to work out. So a lot of these guys are just going to have to sit, wait, and watch. Um, but I think he and Ben Simmons are probably the two that I'm most worried about. Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal, I think, in my opinion, they weren't really that valuable anyway. I think this is a hit to them, so I think you can drop them. Um, I think it's great news for Claxton. I think uh, Dinwiddie is going to be fine, and Cam Thomas could be a bit of a winner here. I think Mikael Bridges is also going to be fine. I think he's probably their best player on the team, either between he and Claxton. I think he's probably their, their best player. Um, so I think... The rest of it is all kind of up for questions. So that will uh, that will do it for us today, guys. Uh, big, big day started at 4.30 in the morning, and we uh, we are finally done here, guys. So uh, re- really appreciate, guys, if you've been enjoying all the content, if you've been enjoying all the updates on Twitter, give this video a big thumbs up. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Uh, follow me again over on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Uh, we've got some more stuff coming. Obviously, we'll go back into our weekly re- recaps. Fantasy uh, playoffs are not too far around the corner, so we'll be getting starting to look into that and uh, yeah I'll catch you guys next time bye